0: Alright, well good afternoon. My name is John Wentz, and uh, for the last three years I've had the chance to serve here at Community Christian Church as our small groups director. So that means I've had uh, the the great privilege of helping people connect into life-giving community, into into small groups. Uh, One thing I wanted to share with you, actually today is a a special day for me, because today is actually a day where I'm going to be switching into different roles and taking on a, a different role. One of the groups that we do here at Community is called ALPHA. And the Alpha course is a specific experience that's designed to give people who are checking out uh, spiritual issues an environment where they can openly discuss things. And they can explore Christianity, and it's always done in the context of having a meal, there's a short teaching, and then they can share their beliefs, whatever they may be, and they can actually begin to experience uh, Christianity for themselves. And so uh, several months ago, uh, Alpha approached me and actually said, hey, we would love to invite you to be a part of our team and help churches all across the country uh, develop Alpha courses and help people find their way back to God. And if, there, if you know me at all, one of the things you'll, you'll know is that I am very passionate about helping people find their way back to God. I I did not grow up in the church myself and uh, it took me about 19 years uh, to begin to experience this thing that we call the Christian faith. And so today is actually my final day on staff here at Community, but here's the good news. Uh, I don't have to move. I still get to be a part of this church community. This is my church home. Uh, I still get to uh, contribute right here in this community, and so I'm, um, I'm thrilled to be able to do that, but I'm just incredibly excited to be able to help people find their way back to God through Alpha and to get all of you guys involved with Alpha right here at the Yellow Box as well at some point. So uh, that's a little bit of news about myself, but uh, this, is a, this is a significant weekend, right? What's going on in our country this weekend? This is holiday weekend? 4th right? of July, lots of, lots of tradition around 4th of July. I'll tell you what my tradition is on the 4th of July. It's making funnel cakes with my family. Uh, I grew up in the carnival. My family sold funnel cakes. And so every year, so ever since I was 8 years old, 30 years, I've been making funnel cakes. So while you guys were watching fireworks, I'm staring at funnel cakes in hot oil All right. <laughs> That's what I've done. It was a privilege uh, last night to be able to do that with my two oldest sons that are now junior hires, so I can begin to crack the whip and get them to work, which is awesome. But on this particular weekend, there is a symbol that unifies all of us in our country. What is that symbol? It's the American flag, right? Symbols have the ability to draw people together and create a, a commonality amongst people and so for the, the average American, this is what this flag does. It creates a sense of national identity. But the American flag also uh, has a lot of meaning for our soldiers, right? It symbolizes sacrifice. It symbolizes, you know, stories of bravery and, and sometimes loss, but all for a deeper cause. Uh, I think of those who have immigrated to our country. This, this particular symbol has incredible meaning, because it represents new opportunity, it represents a new future, hope, uh, many times. And, and so this flag it isn't just cloth and material, it's actually a symbol that points to something much deeper. Uh, here, here's another symbol, uh, let me bring this up. Recognize, does anybody under 30 know what this is? Right? You'll see this on Word processors, Microsoft Word, Pages, Google. You'll always see this little symbol, and everybody knows that when you click on that, it saves your document. But what is this thing? Well, this is an actual physical device called a floppy disk. And actually, its predecessor was actually floppy. And you would actually put it into a computer and then save your document onto that. But so many people, you know, this is a symbol that's kind of lost its meaning. I remember explaining to my kids when I was uh, really early on in my relationship uh, with my now wife, and I was trying to explain to them that, I, that I'd left her a message on her answering machine. And they're like, what is an answering machine? And then I felt really old. And I was like, ah, symbols lose their meaning. They lose their significance over the course of time. Well, we're going to be talking about some symbols today that have have not lost meaning over time. We're talking about uh, the cup. We're talking about uh, the bread today. These are, these are symbols that we celebrate with every week. It's the practice that we call communion. Now, we've been doing this series called Ancient Practices. And the whole reason we're doing this series, Ancient Practices, is because we recognize that the people that we are today, uh, oftentimes there's a gap between who we are today and where we want to be, right? As, as followers of God, we recognize, yeah, we need to be over here. <laughs> Maybe I used to be way over there, but I need to be here. And there's a gap in between. Well, these ancient practices that we've been looking at uh, of baptism, helping us bridge that gap, of practicing the Sabbath and resting. Uh, last week, we talked about fasting, fasting. Uh, Purposefully, prayerfully, setting aside food to make space for prayer—that can help us bridge the gap between the person that I am and the person that I want to be. Today, we're going to talk about this ancient practice of communion, and communion is uh, maybe you've wondered about this. You you come from a different church background, maybe never went to church at all, and you often wonder. We pass these trays that have a little cup and a piece of bread, like a little cracker, and you're like, "What is that all about?"
1: Why do they do that every
0: week? Why do they call it a meal? That's the that's the cheapest meal I've ever seen. Um, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot to it. How could something so small be filled with such significance? And, and maybe you've been to other churches where you're not allowed to take communion. What, why? What's the deal with that? Why have churches throughout the course of 2,000 years of church history often divided over this particular meal. I mean, this this meal has incredible significance. And this is what I would encourage you with, is what we're going to talk about today. If we will practice this particular uh, act of communion with the right attitude and with the right posture on a regular basis, this is one of the most powerful tools that can actually help us grow from the person that we are to the person that God wants us to be. It is that significant. And that's why Jesus did it with his followers. So we're going to take a look uh, at some scripture today, and we're going to walk through some of the significance of this meal. Luke chapter 22 says, uh, the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so that we can eat it together. So communion, we call it communion, but really it could be called the Passover meal, right? This was was a Jewish holiday that celebrated the exodus of God's people out of slavery in Egypt. So if you have a Bible, the second book of your Bible is called Exodus, and that is the story that commemorates the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt, they went through 10 different plagues, and finally they were let go. And this was a Jewish holiday. This was a very significant day. And it is a remembrance of how God rescued them. So let me recap this story. The Israelites find themselves as slaves in Egypt, brutally enslaved. And God sends 10 different plagues as judgment upon the Egyptians to let his people go. You've heard that phrase, right? Let my people go, right? And so this is the remembrance of that. So on the 10th plague, finally the Egyptians begin to relent and release the Israelites. That 10th plague was, was really hor- horrific. This was a plague that after 10 different plagues, the Egyptian pharaoh still had not let the, the Israelites go. And so this was a warning to say, if you don't let my people go, I will strike down every firstborn male in your community. Now, along with this, during this plague, God tells the Israelites, here's what I want you to do. I want to protect you from this plague. So you need to find a sacrificial lamb. You sacrifice that lamb and then you're going to take the blood and you're going to put it over the doorpost of your house. And then anybody who comes into your house Under the blood of that lamb on the doorpost, Egyptian, Israelite, anybody, they will be protected from that plague that hits. So it was an open invitation to say, put that blood over the doorpost and invite people in, into safety from that plague. Well, the the plague takes place, and the Egyptian pharaoh finally lets the Israelites go. Uh, Terror kind of strikes throughout the land. But anybody who was in those homes, anybody who was was there was protected. So this meal, this Passover meal, literally where death had passed over those homes, was celebrated around a meal where they would have lamb and they would would remember this meal. This was their freedom festival. This was their 4th of July, in essence, but in a way bigger deal. And it had been celebrated for thousands of years. So the the Jewish Passover meal comes in four courses and represented by four different cups. They have four different cups of wine. Uh, This is what Luke records. He says, then Jesus, as he's celebrating this meal with his disciples, took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Maybe you've seen this whole, this pose, right? He gives thanks to God for it. He says, I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And so as this Passover meal begins, Jesus takes the first cup, the cup of freedom, which would have been represented in the Passover meal, and he gives thanks. And he says, take this and share it among yourselves. I'm not going to drink this again until the kingdom comes. And so right now, Jesus is waiting to share this meal again with us. He's waiting for us for when the kingdom comes. So there's some interesting bridging of time that's taking place there. But in this cup, Jesus is pointing to a new future when we will all be together. And it's very beautiful. Later in the meal, uh, Jesus takes the matzah. Uh, he takes the bread. Now, interestingly enough, uh, this is what it says. He, he took some bread. He gave, it, he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples. Now, this bread, uh, you'll notice I've got three pieces of bread here. In the, in the Passover meal, the, the Jewish Passover meal, Uh, These three pieces of bread, the top one represents God. The bottom piece represents people, all of us. And that middle piece represents the bridge between God and people. Jesus takes this bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body. I am the bridge between God and people. And he breaks it. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it and he gives it to them. And he says, you do this to remember me. And then later on in the meal, Jesus uh, takes another cup. This would have been the third cup, perhaps, of the the meal, which would have been known as the redemption cup in the Passover Seder. And he takes this cup and this is what he says. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement that is confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So in this, he's saying this is the new covenant. A covenant is a promise. It's an agreement. It really is a contract that is developed between parties. He says, "This this is a covenant promise contract that is sealed with the shedding of my blood. Uh, there's a theologian, Daryl Bach. He says, In this moment, this Jewish meal becomes a Christian meal. It's a memorial act in memory and proclamation of Jesus' death. This is a new start. What Jesus is saying with this meal, when he takes the bread, he says, This is my body. This is my blood. He's saying, I am the Passover lamb. This is my blood. He's he's building that bridge from that original Passover meal to the meal that we celebrate every week. In essence, he's saying anybody who comes under my blood will be safe. They'll be saved. So this is the significance. This is some of the significance behind this meal. And if we had time to go into all the symbolism, I mean, uh, I don't have up here the actual meat, right? The lamb meat, or the, there's eggs, there's, there's herbs, there, there's, there's all kinds of things that would be celebrated at this meal. And every single thing has incredible, rich symbolism to it. I find it beautiful that God would choose a meal for us to remember our relationship by. This moment where God says, look, I want you to remember that I love you and I want you to do it around a meal. And, and so maybe you're thinking, well, that, that's great. It helps me understand what communion is or what the Passover meal is. But how is it gonna help me grow spiritually? How is it gonna help me move from the person I am today to where I need to be? Well, here, here's, and, and maybe you've often wondered, when that tray goes by, what are you supposed to do, right? While you're holding this little piece of bread and this cup, what are you supposed to do spiritually or mentally? What do you think about? I want to give you four things that you can do each week whenever you do communion that will begin to help you grow spiritually. The first is this. Go and, go and point behind you. We're going to look back, all right? The first thing we do is we look back. This whole meal points to an act in time that points specifically to Jesus. It, it reminds us uh, of what What's written, Paul writes this in Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 6. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. In the same way that this Jewish meal symbolized, right, freedom from slavery, this meal symbolizes our freedom from sin. We no longer belong to sin. Sin doesn't own us anymore as a slave. We get to look back and remember that when Christ died on the cross, when he shed his blood, he set up this new covenant promise that we are free from sin. That's the first thing we do is we look back. The second thing that we do is that we look within. Go ahead and point to your heart. These actions will help you remember, right? We look within. Now, I know... um, really nobody here is without sin. Even though we follow Christ, we all mess up. None of us completely follows God perfectly. We all have sin in our lives. And and when we look within, when we make it a regular practice to reflect on how we need God and how we fall short, this is what actually helps us begin to take those steps in growth. If we never have the practice in our life where we stop and reflect on our life, and remember our need for God, then we can miss those opportunities. But when we, each week, gather together and we look within, we remember that we need God. And I'll do that. Oftentimes, I'll sit in these seats and as I'm holding those elements, I I think about the areas of my life where I need God. I need forgiveness. Uh, The other thing that it does is go and do this. And then look around. Look around this room. Communion helps us look around. Communion's not something that we do by ourselves. The word communion actually means community. It means fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia, which means together. It's the word for community. This is community. When we celebrate this meal together. And I think about, I've been a part of a couple different churches, and maybe you have too. I think about my friends in Cincinnati where I used to live there, and I miss them. But I know every week when I celebrate this meal, I'm celebrating this meal with them. I think about my friends around the world, uh, Venezuela, Guatemala, the different places that I've been where I've been able to celebrate communion with them. I know that when I celebrate this meal, I'm celebrating the same meal that they're celebrating. And it gives me a sense of, of recognition that I'm part of something much bigger, not just geographically, but even throughout time, throughout 2,000 years. This is, what, this is the family dinner table. And Jesus invites all of us to come to the table. You've been invited to the table. You, you have a seat at the family table. This is a beautiful, beautiful symbol that God has given us. We look back, we look within, we look around, but we're also looking forward. We're looking forward Uh, to this time when we recognize that the way the world is right now, this is not God's dream for the world. God is working to restore his dream for the world. And and as we look ahead, we're looking to that time when as uh, is recorded in Revelation, this verse, what does it say? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every tear. There will be no more death. No more sorrow. There will be no more pain. Can I get a hallelujah on that? (laughs) No more pain. All of these things are gone forever. This meal, that's part of what we do is we look ahead Paul writes, every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So this meal, this bread, this this cup, it's a taste of the future. It's, It's where we're going. Jesus is the center, the focal point of this meal. And maybe you think when you come to this moment of communion, I am not enough. I don't deserve to eat this meal what I love about this meal every week is it reminds me I don't have to be enough because Christ is enough. Christ is the perfect one. Christ is the one who laid down his life and I am identifying myself with him and I'm forgiven because of what he has done. And so that's what this meal is. And in just a moment, uh, we're going to celebrate uh, communion together. And I want to pray and uh, we're going we're gonna to have some, some music uh, that'll play as, as we reflect, as we look back, as we look within, as we look around and recognize that this is the family that, that God has called us to be a part of and as we look forward. So let's pray. God, we want to just pause and recognize your presence here with us. We thank you so much uh, that you would give us a meal to remember what you're doing, to remember what you've done, to remember who uh, we get to be together with. Uh, we, we give thanks, God, for this meal that you've given us, these, these physical symbols. And I just pray for us as a community that we would honor you, that we would love you, that we'd remember you and place you at the center of everything we do. And God, thank you for inviting all of us to your table because we are not worthy. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me have the ushers come forward. And as as these trays are passed, you'll just take a piece of the bread. And if you want to follow God, if you want to accept his invitation to come to this table, then take a piece of that bread, hold on to the cup. And in just a moment, we will celebrate this meal together.